world will never forget the three stooges, Moe, Larry, and Curly. But what about the other stooge brother, Shemp? But Moe, I'm telling you, there's a gorilla in here. Let go, you're crushing my eyebrows. Double Slap Films presents Shemp, the Forgotten Stooge. You'll see Shemp Howard the night he was voted ugliest man in Hollywood in 1940. Hiya, gorgeous. I'm one of the three Stooges. Want to dance? <laughs> oh, 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 look what you did. You broke my sweet little cute little beautiful nose. Oh. Anything would be an improvement. <laughs> now, the shocking story behind the countless nights the perverse Stooge roamed Hollywood teaching hookers his bizarre noises in exchange for sexual favors. Not bad, kiddo, but you still ain't doing it right. Here, I'll show you. <laughs> now, how about showing old Shemp a little something? <laughs> oh, no, not till you show me 20 bucks. Nothing doing, sister. We had a deal. You ain't gonna... Get out! Whoa! Get out of here, you worm! Whoa! Hold your horses, lady. I'm going, I'm going. Mickey Rourke is... One hot chicken soup coming up. Whoa! Oh, 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 oh. Shemp, the Forgotten Stooge, rated B.A. Bay from Double Slap... Films. And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast. Wherever you are listening or watching this podcast, it is available on the Rumble page on YouTube, but it's also wherever you get your podcasts on the podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcast and iHeartRadio and everything like that. So go check it out. And if you want more episodes like this, along with early or like early access to guests or my solo episodes or anything like that, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer for three bucks a month. You get a lot of podcasts per month. That's a lot of value. If, if you like what I have to say, anything going on in my life or the guests that I book. Uh, if not, then, uh, well, I hope you enjoy this free episode. Uh, yes, again, that's the Check Your Brain podcast. My name is Tony Mazer. My guest this week, we're going to have a lot of fun talking to some stooges today. And uh, he is an author. He's uh, based out of Canada, but I'm glad to bring him here to the States. And his name is Jeff Dale. Jeff, thanks for doing the podcast. I love being here. It's great. Anything about Shemp and the Stooges is great for me. Well, talking about Shemp, you have a book that uh, it, it seems like it's been a labor of love for you for a long time. You've been doing a lot of research on it, which I want to hear more about. But it's called More, uh, Much More Than a Stooge, Shemp Powered by Jeff Dale. It's available there. You can go to barnesandnoble.com and then basically all the other places to, to go purchase it. But go get it, hardcover, paperback, whatever it is. Just go buy this if you are a stooge uh, maniac. And, and I've noticed this over time when it comes to the stooges. The true purists of of the Three Stooges uh, are not necessarily the classic lineup of Larry, Curly, and Moe. You will talk to Stooge enthusiasts, and they'll say, I don't know, there's some Shemp ones that are pretty good, too. And, I mean, I don't know how many Joe Besser ones, but some will say, like, a Curly Joe could, could have added a little bit. But I think if you're a true Stooge fan, you can appreciate what Shemp was able to bring to the troupe. Absolutely. Um the issue with Shemp is, is that he was one of the originals. And when I, there's a there's a huge argument over this. Who was the first Stooge? I think the issue is who was the original Stooge, and that's what the, my book sort of, in a sense, is about. His wife kind of pinned it down perfectly. Um, it basically, Ted Ted Healy, who was a superstar of the day, was you know looking for Stooges. One of them, of course, he, he happened upon very obviously was his childhood friend, uh, Mo, 
And so that was a natural. But Shemp was right along there to around the same time. So we're talking 1923. That's exactly one century ago. And the issue is, if you look carefully, if you do the research, or even if you just glance over the history, you'll notice there's a lot of stooges that were with Tahili. But most of them either disappeared at some point, or even Mo, in fact, he went back to selling real estate like his mom did for quite some time. But the most constant of all that time, between 1923 and about 1930, was in fact Shemp. So his wife says, she said, he was the original stooge. And I said, believe me, I was there, I know. So I'm going with, uh, with uh, Gertrude or Babe, however you want to call her. And uh, I think that's, that essentially Shemp is the original stooge. So, so talk about Ted Healy, for example, because I think, it, again, if you're a big Stooge fan, you know who Ted Healy is. But it was originally, it was Ted Healy and his Stooges. It was this group of, you know, he's the ringleader, he's the straight man, and you get these crazy guys that are behind him. Talk a little bit about him, because he had a very complicated life and a very, uh, have they even solved that murder of him? Um, see, that's just it. The issue of it being murder, I think, was pretty much ruled out. Uh, I, I tell you what, and I don't want to plug another person's book, but he's a great guy. Bill Cassara, he's written a book on, on Ted Healy. I, I'm, as, far as, I'm, as far as I know, it's the only book. Um, and Ted Healy is a fascinating character. I refer to him as much as I can in the book. What you're talking is a very tall gentleman, probably around six foot. Um, Shemp, um, if, if you want to call him the tallest stooge, that means he was either 5'6 or 5'7. So, you know, reasonable, I suppose. So Curly was around that height, too. But the issue was that uh, Healy was looking for Stooges. Um, at first, there was no name. In fact, the, the first uh, billing of the two, which was Shemp and Moe, actually Shemp and Harry, because Harry's his first name. It's Harry Moses Howard. Um, the first billing was something to the effect of, and I can't, I don't have it in front of me, I should, to uh, something like, two uh, odd-looking clods or something like that. That was in the billing, something of that nature. But within a short period of time, Ted and his wife, who was the, the other headliner, uh, Betty, um, basically, he, he gave them some billing. And it was it was Shemp and, um, and Mo. So that was, that was essentially the startup. Over the years, the name sort of, I mean, you know, at some point he was, they were they were his stooges. They were also the Southern Gentleman was another one. Uh, there there were several names they went under. And at one point, when they finally went out on their own, it was Howard Fine and Howard. So number of different names. Healy was so Healy gets downplayed a lot, and and that's really sad because the reality was if the word superstar had been used in in the day, then in fact. Ted Healy would have been a superstar, and he was. He was everything. He was a straight man. He was the uh, the leader. He was the guy who slapped and hit the other Stooges, just like Mo eventually ended up doing. Um, he was a nightclub performer. He was. He wrote uh, music lyrics. I mean, he did it all. He was everything. And from what you may have heard, a lot of that is untrue. Whether or not he had his own personal problems. They, they, they may have, you know, sort of uh, seeped over a little privately behind the scenes. However, anytime you ever heard any comments from any of them, and that would be Mo, Larry, Shemp, obviously, 
uh, and and um, and Curly. And in fact, Shem basically said at one point, um, "Ted Healy is the funniest person I've ever met," and it shows. And he also taught wow. Shem one really really important issue: how do you sort of position yourself either on stage or on on film in a nightclub when you're relatively short? And this guy is about, you know, close to six foot tall or maybe more. So he, Shemp learned really well because, I mean, he ended up being in movies with, well, Jimmy Stewart, his first film. You know what it was? It was a Shemp short called Fine Art. I mean. So it was Jimmy <laughs> Stewart's first thing was in a Shemp, not the other way around. Oh, no. He was, he was paid $50. Which, by the way, $50 back then for an unknown. Whoa, that's huge bucks. But the bottom line is that people said, oh, oh my God, this guy's what, 6'2", lean-looking guy, really handsome. We, we, we got things going on for him. <clears throat> so he sort of appeared. And there's a one scene, if you ever want to see that film, and I hope I got the, uh, the name right. Um, it's a little short. It's um, back in the 30s. And there's a scene... <clears throat> where Shem, if you can imagine, is in a little fisticuffs with uh, Jimmy Stewart. And it looks like he's winning. And that's the killer. He knew how to position himself. He could own the space he was in. Very, very, very clever. Did it in the movies. Another person, John Wayne, who was, by the way, a, a neighbor, not a close neighbor, but in the neighborhood. And um, he was in uh, some scenes in the beginning of the movie Pittsburgh, which uh, a very enjoyable movie, a Pittsburgh starring John Wayne and uh, uh, let me see, Marlena Dietrich and Randolph Scott. Huge name. Randolph and, Scott. Yes. And no, plays this, <laughs> they, they bill Shem, and I've got this in, in my book. It's the billing. Da -da 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 -da, Randolph Scott, Marlene Dietrich, and featuring the ugliest man in Hollywood, Shem Howard. So Ted Healy was. Um, a major factor in his life, certainly in a professional way. And anyone who downplays it, and anyone who says that, you know, he was uh, he was this brute and this cat. I mean, he had, like a lot of people back then, you know, the entertainers of the world, they drank a little. Nowadays, it's more like they smoke a little or do something else. And But back then, they drank a little and got them in some trouble. But they had a good act. They were very good. And Shemp owes a lot to Ted Healy. And uh, it shows very, very, very quick on the pickup. That's Shemp. So so eventually they have their split with Ted Healy. Mo kind of takes on the Ted Healy role in the, the trio. But yes. Shemp wants to, like you said, he goes out on his own. And they bring Jerome, bring Jerry as a part of the act, now Curly. Yes. And um, so for, gosh, it was probably about six, what, about 17 years that uh, Shemp was on his own while the Three Stooges were making, were, were huge at that time. I believe the first billing of Larry Curley and Moe was at the RKO Theater just up the road from me here in Cleveland, Ohio, um, back in the early 30s. And uh, I, I, I talk a little bit about the Shemp in those days where, like, I know you, you were talking about the early days and what he credits to Ted Healy, but the, the fact that, like you said, he wasn't the most handsome man, so he's not going to be the the Humphrey Bogart. He's not going to be Cary Grant, but he's enough where he's kind of a character that he's marketable in that way, plus he has great comedic timing. 
Right. It's interesting because when he first started, um, uh, and by the way, when they split, the, the Stooges were doing, still doing, uh, well, they were basically with Ted Healy for a while before they actually became and were known as the Three Stooges. But but Shem, basically, his wife said to him, and, was, and you're going to get all these rumors there that he said he's a brute, he's a beast, you got to get away from Ted Healy. What she, in fact, really did say, and this is pretty much in the history books, really, he, she said, look, my, my dear, you're talented enough. You can go out on your own. Give it a try. And basically, she was, well, she was a woman ahead of her time. And he said, yes, I'll do it. So he ended up with Vitaphone. And uh, I don't know exactly how many films he did. And by the way, when I said he did 100, 105 films uh, as a solo artist, that should be 105 known films, because there have got to be people out there, including uh, one of my editors, great guy, uh, Brent Seguin, just absolutely knows everything about it. I wouldn't doubt if he's out there looking through just heaps and heaps of films, wondering, is Shemping this one? Is it? Some, sometimes someone's going to come up with the 106 film. But basically, he went through this. He went through comedies. He... Uh, he appeared with Burt Lahr in one that was before The Wizard of Oz. He, he appeared with Georgie Jessel. And by the way, Georgie Jessel, Toastmaster of, uh, of, um, of, of uh, America, uh, Toastmaster General, I think that's yes. the proper. And it, it's a, a short with him and Champau talks. Him. It's, it's beautiful. You know, basically Georgie's standing there doing his thing. It, it was, you know, what he's supposed to do. But Champau's just going on and on and on. He's an agent trying to sell Jessel on using an attractive young woman, um, you know, for this, this performance they're doing. And you don't know at that point how much of it is ad lib, because that's another thing, too. The ad libbers of today, you know, which great. I love them. Love them all. Robin Williams, the whole bit. But that's what Champ was known for. He was a great ad libber. I mean, you know, some some uh, directors, uh, most notably Jules uh, White and the Stooges. I mean, didn't like that particularly. You know, wasn't keen. He's he liked to stick strictly to the script. But Shemp was, you know, he he went off. So anyway, Vitaphone, a couple of other names, Monogram, uh, like that. Uh, Universal, amazing. He appeared in five Abbott Costello films. Um, he appeared, like I said, with John Wayne. Uh, I appeared with Sabu in an Oscar-nominated film called Arabian Nights. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's remarkable how many really top-notch names of the day that Champ was with. And he held his own. So, and he was with Columbia, too, with his own series. So, a lot of films. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so, he, so he's so low and everything. He's, he's, he has a great career anyways. But yeah. then Curly has his issues. Of course, before the strokes, he was also he was he was a womanizer. He was a drunk in a lot of ways. He'd be performing at like midnight at the Trocadero and everything. And um, you know, th th there was some issues going into it with Curly, especially with his weight. And then eventually, when the the debilitating stroke hit him, where he just couldn't perform, uh, Shemp ends up becoming a part of the act. But was this a 
did he feel it was going to be a temporary thing that he's already made it on his own? He's just trying to help his brothers out. Is Was he reluctant about it or was he excited to be a part of the act again? I, obviously, albeit it's a um, it's unfortunate that they see their brother going through these health issues. But how did right. Shemp feel with returning to the act? Was he was he all about it? Um, not entirely. Um, the bottom line is. He really wanted to stay where he was, and that was as, as a solo. He was doing pretty well with Columbia. I don't know whether he was going to go back to Universal or anything, but he certainly did very well there. So the contract, in fact, it was written into the contract, uh, which isn't in my book, actually, per se, because it's hard to get, um, that this will be temporary until Curly recovered. And whatever people outside, like me, People on the outside, whatever they think about, well, they probably knew that Curly was never going to recover. That's that's neither here nor there, because I don't believe anyone but the family knew that. And quite frankly, I don't think Shemp would have signed had he thought that Curly wasn't going to get better, especially because he was the youngest. Curly had a very rough time in a lot of respects, because if you've ever seen, have you ever seen a picture of Curly in his younger years? Mm-hmm. He had like, you know, this great uh, schlock. Of, Full head of hair. Full head of hair, auburn hair, big handlebar mustache. Or, uh, I don't know if it was handlebar mustache, but it was really, he loved the ladies. And he was also a first-class dancer. By the way, his dancing buddy back in the old days at nightclubs was none other than, than um, who was it? George Raft. George Raft. Oh, really? Wow. George Raft and Curly Howard. Um, so not, not dance partners, but, you know, they used to be basically there. Every, every other day or whenever they could make it and they'd be taking the ladies around, you know, dancing with them. It was a great scene. I mean, I'd love to see something about that, that in a film. Uh, I'd like to see a completely different film, but uh, it, by so, the way, you mentioned, you mentioned about Curly being a dancer. Didn't he have a situation where he shot, shot himself in the foot accidentally and he had a, yes. always had a limp the rest of his life. Yeah. He, he didn't want to go in for surgery to remove the bullet. Cause I, I guess he maybe wasn't too keen on surgery at that point. I believe he might have been around 12 years old. I'm sure there's a stooge fanatic or expert that would correct me on that. Um, and he went with that. However, even with that, with that noticeable sort of uh, limp or whatever you want to call it, stride that he had, he was a very good dancer. And if you watch him, you watch his movements, he's pretty good for a chubby guy. But, you know, you got to feel really sorry because, I mean, it was his idea. He shaved his head, you know, and then they, they called him curly, et cetera, et cetera. But there, there must have been an awful lot making sort of within his personality, his inner in his inner self that's saying, you know, I used to love to go out and party and have a great time and that. So I think probably the drinking would have become excessive to hide a lot of these 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 inner feelings. And of course, it didn't didn't help his health, health at all. I mean, so halfway holiday, he has that major stroke right in the middle of the uh, just after they they break. And uh, he's basically sitting there on a chair, crying and ba barely being able to speak. And um, it, it's really sad because, I mean, uh, I don't know your feelings about it. You know, people talk about the Shemp camp and Curdy camp. Uh, to me, that's nonsense. I mean, uh, I like Shemp. I really do. I mean, I gravitated towards him and Larry, actually, those, those two at first. So I, I, I like them both. I just felt very, very sorry. For Curly and, and what happened in that. And uh, Shemp, by the way, as uh, like the other studios, I mean, Larry basically was the one 
who suggested they give a portion of their uh, their earnings for uh, Curly's upkeep, and that that sort of struck Mo. I just thought, wow, you know, Larry's really more than a friend. And, and, and I, I love I, I love this photo that I have here for folks oh, only fun. listening right now. This, this so this is uh now I forgot what what was the name of this short where it's a shemp, but they have Curly there with a full head of hair there. This is post stroke, yeah. but they wanted to have that uh, that were they're all in this. And here I am. I think it's hold that lion, but I'm not sure. Uh, again, I could be corrected there. Uh, I, 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 I think it is. But basically, what he does, he, he's the passenger who snores, and they're making fun of this incredibly weird snoring noise that he's making. And uh, it's a great picture, though. It is really, really, and, and it must have been kind of heartening in a way for all of them. I, I believe it was Jules White, the director, who made the suggestion. Well, why not have him? make a cameo appearance you know he was going to make another one too uh the one with the chefs uh, uh the malice in the palace i, I believe mm -hmm. that was you know and uh that was cut out of the film for whatever reason um uh, sad to say but it's and it's one it's it's the whole that line that that is as you said before some some good very good shemp uh shorts despite the fact the budgets were cut there was a lot less uh location shooting uh, and a number of things were downgrading the whole sort of notion of short films however he did some great ones and i think that's that's one of them in fact i think the first one he did which is uh fright night one of the reasons it was so good even though it was written purely in line is that champ was a lifelong boxing fan he absolutely loved it he could he did the ali shuffle before ali or he did the pre-ali shuffle yeah, that that thing he used to do with his legs, where like he oh, yeah. would have his one leg swing over the other leg as he's yeah. stepping over that leg. It, it, it's incredible to watch this. I mean, you want yeah. to talk about the this family of dancers, how talented they were. Where Curly can do the you know the watootsie and everything like that, and, and then you're seeing what he would do this in these boxing sketches. He loved, which I want to get to a boxing because we'll talk a little more about with the end of Shemp towards the end. But um, I want I want to ask you because you mentioned Malice in the Palace. That uh, I, maybe about a month or so ago, I came across a movie that I had heard of and it I found it online somewhere and it's called Stooge Mania. Do you know about oh. this movie? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So Stooge Mania came out in the mid 80s among this resurgence of Three Stooges popularity about 10 years after uh, Larry and Mo ended up passing away. And right. uh, you had the Curly Shuffle that came out in about 83. So the Stooge Mania was like 85, 86. Actually, I can pull it up right now. I have it. Um, it's, full disclosure, not a very good movie. Uh, and no. it stars Josh Mostel, the son of Zero Mostel, as, right. a, uh, as a guy who's, uh, I think he's engaged to Melanie Chartoff. And that it, yeah, there it is. Sid Caesar makes a weird cameo in this too. But it's yes. this... It's this disease that people are having where the three stooges keep showing up and like it's not so much that you're a fan. Now you're such a super fan that you turn on the TV and the stooges are on. OK, yeah, makes sense. But then he's opening doors and he's seeing arcade games and the three stooges keep popping up. But the weird part about this stooge mania movie is they didn't have actual access to these from Columbia Pictures. So how were they able to get away with it? Well, apparently four three Stooges films slipped into public domain and only one of them were a curly, which is, um, you know, is a disorder in the court. 
Uh, the rest of them were three shemps, and a lot of people are like, "How did how did the shemp ones? Why are there so many shemp ones in this in this dumb movie here?" And they've slipped into public domain. How did that end up happening? Like, how did they end up losing the rights to these movies? Well, that's a good question, and I really didn't do much research on that, so I'm not I, sure. I, apo I apologize. I ambush you with that terrible movie. No, but actually, I just no, had to you, ask you about that. Uh, it, it is interesting because. Uh, one of my jobs in my 51 years as a writer that shows you how old I am, uh, I was I was a film critic for quite some time, actually a paid film critic, and I, I would, you know, see everything under the sun. And I remember seeing that, and I, I remember so little about the movie after I saw it. I never saw it again. I, I just thought, well, the fact that Sid Caesar was in it, oh, oh, my goodness, this is awful. By the way, Sid Caesar, um, on one occasion, with another actor, both met up with um, Jill Howard, uh, the um, the granddaughter, the, the elder granddaughter. She's not old, but the eldest of the two granddaughters. And uh, basically her and the daughter-in-law, Jerry, were talking about Shem, you know, passing away and that. And then, and uh, since Caesar was like, actually, you know, sort of him and I believe uh, Milton Burrow at one point, just tears on their eyes. They were, they, they loved Shem. By the way, Frank Sinatra, by the way, was a huge Stooge fan. And Shemp, Larry, and Moe appeared on a 1951 episode of the Frank Sinatra Hour. And it's quite funny. Oh, I didn't know that. I got to look this up. Look at Just check it out. Check it out. Frank Sinatra and the Three Stooges. 1951. Uh, it's really interesting. I'll tell you why it's interesting, particularly because Shemp gets down on the ground and does the spinorama, the curly rotation, which I thought, whoa, this is interesting. Uh, I don't know if anyone else thought much of it, uh, but it was it was it was really enjoyable, and it's pretty obvious that Sinatra loved slapstick. You know, I mean, you get lots of stories about Sinatra, but um, I happen to like the guy. But anyway, he was a fan of the Stooges, and it's quite funny. And Vernon Dent, I believe, also was in that um, uh, that particular show of Sinatra's. So knew a lot of people. So because you're a huge uh, Stooge fan and uh, and being a Shemp fan, and just to prove that I'm a Shemp fan, uh, I have a picture with uh, my my good pal Perry Caravello here, and I'm wearing a Drew Friedman Shemp t-shirt here. He's still trying to get this Vermeer the Borscht Belt uh, uh, documentary off the ground, but uh, I, I decided to donate some money, and I ended up getting a t-shirt here with uh, his absolutely perfect drawing of Shemp with the dots. Oh, um, He's in my book, by the way, Drew Freeman. He's he's astonishing. I mean, Drew has his Jewseum, and oh. he loves he loves looking at the Stooges, especially Shemp. Is like he said, Shemp is one of those yeah, characters you love as an artist. You want to draw because yeah. he's the facial features. Him and Tor Johnson are, I think, are two of his favorites uh, yeah. to to do. But um, so Shemp is with the act, and this temporary thing ends up right. lasting almost a decade. And uh, and then, of course, they lost Curly in the, in the early 50s. But then Shemp has an unfortunate passing. Um, this was I believe he was from what I yes. remember, he was leaving a boxing match and he had a heart yeah. attack. Is that what happened? OK, not quite. Oh, yes. Most of that's correct. Um, he was coming back from the uh, night at the fights, which is regular for him. And by the way, he was also mainly he was often the main attraction. He used to be in the front row. He'd get up. He'd start dancing around, flinging his feet around. And the cornermen, when uh, they, it was back to the action, they'd jump 
off the ropes and start waving the towel on, on Shemp, patting him down like he was an attraction. Shemp, you know, Saturday or whatever it was, Friday night at the fights or whatever, with the boxers and Shemp. And bottom line is they were coming back on the way from the fights in a taxi, and uh, he lit up a cigar, big cigar smoker, uh, and he started to tell a joke, and bang, oh, he fell f- flat into the lap of one of his two friends. And uh, he didn't die actually on the spot there. As far as I understand, he was, in fact, declared uh, passed away at the hospital, and it was of a cerebral hemorrhage, Ooh. close close to a heart attack. But that's the official word. That's the word from the family, too. Uh, you know, and nowadays, especially um, 60. I mean, I'm well past that, many years past that. And uh, it, that seems to me it's a young, that's that's incredibly young. And for a bit of personal information, uh, my mother and I landed on in, in New York from uh, England. I was born in London, England, uh, 1955. And I believe Shemp died about three days later. That's it. Really? <laughs> nothing to do with anything but if you want a link uh and i mean if there's a subconscious link there somewhere in our, in our being that was it because when everyone else or uh, not everybody but a lot of people when, when the stooge films became available on 50, uh, 1958 on television everyone was like it was it, it was curly larry moe and every so often the shemp uh, film would come on there was some some outright grumbling amongst people, quite a bit, and some um, sort of blase. Me, uh, my first reaction, and I was pretty young back then, I thought, well, he looks like the other students, kind of uh, mo, kind of different. He's, his hair's kind of floppy, and I kind of liked that. And I, I couldn't get enough of him. It, it was him and Larry that always sort of appealed to me. Larry, the former boxer, and Shemp, the huge boxing fan. So there you go. You know, it's funny you say that because of, of Shemp dying. You said Shemp died, what, three days before or after you were born? I think it was three days after. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to check that out. Uh, I should be a little more um, conscious of my facts. But we arrived on November 22nd. Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, two people who my poor mother and I and I was absolutely dreaded anything like water travels. Oh, my God number of times I ended up throwing up over my mother on a bunk bed. So switched eventually. Um, and of course, back then, you know, the, the old rub was from parents. You're not watching those studios, you know, they're awfully violent. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, 50 years later or whatever, a little more, uh, the stuff that goes on now, people being decapitated, uh, you know, just bludgeoned to death constantly on regular television uh, I watch all the time. Now, you think about the Stooges. It's cartoon humor. So, oh, yeah. I mean, how funny is it having a, a saw, you know, ground across your head? And it turns out that the saw is damaged and Curly's head is perfectly fine. It's yeah, so I, I, I remember as a kid, my, my mom telling me, you know, if you hit your brother in the head with a hammer, it's not like the Three Stooges. Yes. <laughs> so we had to make sure it's, you're not Bugs Bunny and you're not the Three Stooges. Right. So you can't hit your, your brother with a hammer. Uh, I will say uh, I was born. This is this is my Stooge connection. Joe Besser died the day before I was born. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm, I'm friends with, uh, uh, um, I, I guess he's his nephew, one of his nephews on uh, on online uh jim besser okay 
you didn't know him very well, you know, which is a, it's, 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 it's another one, by the way, that, um, you know, I, I didn't think he's a perfect fit as the dude, but despite that, he fit in a way because he actually completed the, the sort of the momentum up to a hundred years or whatever you want to call it. I mean, there was basically a line of six individuals, you know, from the early days right to the end uh, with the movies, which is currently Joe Dorita as the last. So I think they all had their, their, their role. They had their part. And so people who trash Joe Besser and Curly Joe Dorita, number one, you ought to take a look at some of their short work and also Look at uh, Joe Besser is stinky on Abbott and Costello. Oh, he was yeah. he was great. He played that effeminate character that uh, yeah. I, a lot of people looked at. I think um, they they looked at the the Newman character on Seinfeld. They wanted to model after Joe Besser, and there's a lot of Abbott and Costello. If you watch Seinfeld and you watch Abbott and Costello, you go like, oh god, they just basically ripped off uh, all the <laughs> everything from yeah. this. But uh, but so. Uh, so Shemp ends up passing away. They they go on this search. They have to fulfill their contract. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, like you mentioned, Joe Besser joins the act and he's only there and he leaves, I think, in 1959 because his wife wasn't doing well. And yes. uh, and then they bring in Curly Joe Dorita. Uh, but talk about the how uh, uh, this was fascinating to read that I'm doing my research over time is that because there was no internet, there wasn't the the type of Hollywood reporter trades that you were seeing that Columbia Pictures kind of screwed over the Stooges for a long time, underpaid them, did not tell them anything about how popular they were. And uh, Mo had a very inferior, like a real inferiority complex. Like he was really, um, I I guess, very nervous about the act. And uh, Columbia wasn't giving him the full story about how popular they were until their deal ends up uh, running out. Then they're show they're on television all the time, and they they realize that they were massively popular in the country. Talk a little bit about those years that leading in towards the end of the fifties and how they just exploded in the sixties. Well, it's it's kind of funny because some of what you you said um, rings true. However, there is an, another issue at hand. Uh, Columbia really didn't hide that much from them, especially Mo. Because Mo had taken the reins uh, over, you know, basically of the Stooges. Certainly, he may may not have known everything. I mean, Jules White was, you know, very much in command in terms of uh, his role as a director and producer. They actually, um, as far as being underpaid, if you take a look, well, number one, go back and and take, say, $500 then whatever year, then do a a ratio change, you know, say, how much is that worth in 2023? You'd be surprised. How well they were doing because most of these acts not not like the main acts of the day like say clark gable or um robert mitchum or whoever they weren't getting those kinds of bucks but they were doing actually quite well and um it, it's it's quite surprising to, to see like i said when jimmy stewart got 50 bucks back in 1934 uh, and thereabouts for that role that was a lot of money it, it's 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 astounding how much money that was and they did quite well. Um, Larry, unfortunately, was was a, a huge gambler, and he loved to party. And so Mo really helped him out a lot of times. Shemp was far more of a family guy. Uh, he, by the way, you probably read about his parties. They were the thing. You go to his mm-hmm. parties. Him, I mean, uh, John Wayne showed up a couple of times. 
uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, Martha Ray. She is huge. Martha Ray was massive at his party. She just go around almost almost do her shtick. Uh, and they, of course, met on the Hells of Poppin' film back in the uh, the 40s. Uh, so they would I would have loved to have been flying the wall there. But Joe Joe Besser, as you correctly said, he he packed it in because his wife was quite ill. Um, and then he just I don't know if he did anything much more at that point. Purely Joe Dorita, from what I understand, and I did try to um, to verify that. And I actually didn't mention it in the book. From my understanding is that it was Larry who saw him in a performance in Vegas and said, you got to check out this 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 Joe Dorita because um, they knew he was doing shorts around their time too. He's good. He might be someone we might want to have as uh, the Stooge Stooge. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And I don't know uh, about what well, people my age, I would have been eight, nine, ten or, or thereabouts. I saw all five or six of their feature films, and they weren't like they were now basically an act for kids because they weren't for kids originally. It just happened to be that way in the end. But I mean, they weren't great films, but I was glad I saw them because basically uh, until the end when, you know, like you said, Larry died in about 72 uh, from strokes again. And and Mo was showing up at all kinds of uh, student Mike functions. Douglas. Yeah, Mike, Doug Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas, by the way, is another one, isn't There's an underrated shimp of the talk show host, Mike Douglas. He has uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono on for a whole week. He had uh, Sly and the Family Stone. He had some of the biggest rock acts. He had Gene Simmons on one night with Toadie Fields. That was the <laughs> funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So he had Mo on, you know, and Mo managed to give for the pie in the face to his wife. And, uh, so Mo did that. And Mo, of course, was a heavy smoker and finally found out that, the, the name was there, and that was it, because um, Emil Sitka was... I was going to say Emil Sitka. Another incredibly... He's another one of these guys, by the way. It could do a comedy really well, could do drama too. Would have been perfect fit. And that's one thing. If I could make sure I get one thing in. There's a film. You heard of Convention Girl? No, I don't think so. Okay, it's it's, uh, it's a film that came out after the um, the... the the code came out, the Hayes Code, which basically tightened up all the um, the looseness and vulgarity and violence on, on these kind of films. Well, Convention Girl came out, uh, and, and essentially it was about um, call girls, call girls of the night in Atlantic City, ladies of the evening. And it's not really a very good film. However, Shen did something that a lot of other actors back then, especially comedic actors, did. He played a completely straight ball. He was a con, he was a he was a con man. He was a, a nasty um, what was his name in that Dan Higgins, nasty little con. Dressed nicely, smoking a cigarette all the time. Carried a gun. Had a partner. Uh, I'm not going to give you too much of this because it's you can go right to Google and see it. And he in fact tries to kill his partner, shoots him. Uh, so we'll say an attempted murderer. Check that out. Basically, the movie is this is my view. As a film critic, the movie stinks until Shemp shows up, <laughs> and he's 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 got enough of a role that you're saying to yourself, "Well, oh, you know, he's got a, a decent part here. I'm going to watch the whole thing." Uh, I don't think I have the film now, of course, but then I now have a very large Shemp collection, so he could play straight, and he did on occasion. So he was versatile, 
No one can deny that. Was that hate? Was that post Hayes Code? Uh, yes, it was. Okay, and so what, what I'm saying was that the, the, the code had been in effect for those years. Those fewer, not not after the code, you know, was gone. Hmm. But it was it was strictly uh, there was very little. How can I put it? Some of the movies prior to that would say Cagney and that. But they were pretty juicy stuff. Cagney and, and Robinson, Edward G. Robinson and, and Humphrey Bogart, people like that. You know, it, they were pretty violent for the day, um, but they were well-made films. They were fun. Audiences loved them. I don't know how you and I would have felt back then. I would have been enraged at this 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 small-c conservative um, outlook on film. You know, let us watch what we want to watch. You know, put a restriction yeah. on it. You know, whatever. So, but Shemp, if he could have been a dramatic actor, um, he would be there and people would have accepted him. Very, very talented, diversified, ad lib, great physical comedian. And the only problem really was that he had to follow a, basically a force of nature. And you got to love Curly for that. No disrespect for him whatsoever. Wonderful person uh, Did in terms of. Skills. Well, in, in your research, did Shemp ever have any animosity or was he always happy for his brothers? He was, no, there was no animosity. They get along astonishingly well. And in fact, they also, you, you think that being slapped around silly like, like Larry was, because Larry took an awful lot of uh, He scabbed a lot, yeah. Uh, yeah a lot of like, calluses. He, but they were good. They were very good friends. And, and when Larry made that offer, uh, of a certain portion of their their money going to Curly, I mean, that apparently, and I'm only quoting what I what I've read, that that sort of just took took uh, Mo aback. He was so, you know, thankful and delighted at that, that offer that you know he really couldn't grip it that well in the moment. Uh, and, and Shemp too. I mean, you know, he used to visit all the time because they they were very close neighbors. And it must have been really rough, and I, I suspect. And I don't know though, because I'm not a, I'm not a, a, I'm sort of a soothsayer or anything. I suspect as Curly got, got worse and worse towards 1951-52 when he died, that Champ and the rest figured, oh, it's this is not happening. He's probably not coming back. Um, so, no animosity. He he was there for another three years till 1955, and um, I, I would have loved to have seen him finish his years as a solo performer. I would have liked to have seen him like Harpo Marx appearing in a cameo on I Love Lucy. You know? Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, like, maybe, I could definitely see that. Could you see him on a game show? He could have done that beautifully. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the game shows back then were, were as uh, sort of wacky as some of them now. If if something like Match Game had come along in the 50s, oh, I could see Champ Howard on that. He could have taken Charles Nelson Reilly's part, you know? Yeah, like your your show of shows and a lot of those, uh, you know, the early '60s, the Camel Caravan, uh, you know, yeah. uh, being in That's Bob good. Hope uh, stuff. Like, I mean, I I could have definitely seen him well into the '60s and having a huge uh, like surge in po popularity, but unfortunately, yes. he passed away. Like you mentioned, you mentioned Robin Williams earlier. It seemed like he really was the Robin Williams. Where Robin can he can go off script and ad lib and be crazy, but. Robin could act seriously. Obviously, he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, and it seems yeah. like Shemp did the same thing. Yeah. And, and you, you never know about awards. And then, uh, myself, personally, I'm not big on awards. I, I just tend to look at the performer. Like, my, my, my here's my attitude. 
uh, Robert Mitchum and Barbara Stan were both great stars of the film noir. No Oscars. So that says something to me. Yeah, but that, it's all, it's either not, something or nothing. I think all the students, especially the original four, I mean, you got Shemp, Moe, Larry Curley. I mean, perfect, perfect match. They could have been the four students for all I know, you know. I I, I just keep thinking about that because there's that one picture of Emil Sitka, Curly Joe, and Mo rehearsing, and I'm just thinking to myself, I I don't know. I mean, at that point, do you do you? And unfortunately, Mo and then he eventually had a stroke after that because Larry was in the the old folks' home, the uh, the retired actors' home, and then uh, yeah, Mo passed away just I think the same year as 1975. And uh, but I couldn't imagine keeping that trio together where you don't have any but any other Howard in it, uh, and then uh, and then certainly not Larry, which is just amazing. Yeah, well, you know, you've got your Larry Fine or Louis Louis Feinberg, as uh, he was known originally. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how well it would have worked, but uh, my, myself personally, the original three, which I'm original four, let me say, and the early stuff, which of course I, I can't see any of the stage stuff that he did with, uh, with Ted Healy, but I did see his solo stuff in the 30s and 40s. I mean, and he fit the bill. I, I don't see what people are uh, are saying, you know. it's and Then again, you know, when 1958 came along and they were seeing all of the Curly Larry Moe's, you wouldn't expect people, especially young kids of that age, to say, oh, God, come on, bring on Champ. Um, you know, unfortunately, because they probably wouldn't have had, there was no TCM playing all these great movies that you watch one night and you say, oh my God, what's Shemp doing in this film? You know, it's, we have the well, advantage. One thing I was thinking about, I've heard Billy West talk about this uh, as well, where he he, bas- he said he stopped going to church once he discovered the Stooges. And yeah. When you wa- when you're watching them, because when, when you're a kid, you're watching it because it's the, it's the wacky violence and stuff. It's a, again, like you said, cartoonish. But you start to realize that there's a lot of timing and there's actually well-written lines in there that you almost miss because you're waiting for you see Curly getting his head in the letterpress and, you know, um, uh, uh, something's falling on Shemp's head and or he's getting slapped by a woman. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of that timing that goes into it. And you're really kind of learning. And that's why I started doing stand up comedy is that they say, well, what comedians were you influenced by when you got into comedy? I'm like. I was influenced by the Looney Tunes and Three Stooges. I wasn't really influenced by a stand-up comic because you, you can't get into a comedy club until you're 18 or 21 nowadays. So I was influenced by those uh, those classical acts. And it's weird to think because it Stooges were known as lowbrow for a while. But when you start to really break it down, it actually is very highbrow. You have Larry with the Stradivarius. You had... Curly's playing the uh, the upright bass, and uh, it, it's just it was so funny. And then watching what what Shemp was able to do with his dance moves, and again, he also had great timing as well. And uh, and when you're a kid, you you watch the the Curly shorts and how silly it is, and then you start to appreciate as you get older. You go, I appreciate Shemp more, and I certainly appreciate Larry more. And you some people will actually tell you Larry's the funniest of the group when you're watching these. You're like, just watch Larry almost for an entire thing, and just his facial expressions, his uh, some of his lines that I, I mean, it, it's so funny. It's really funny for a guy who 
you, you talk about the forgotten stooge, but it seemed like there were a, a couple of forgotten stooges. Like Larry was like in the troop was like, all right, well, you know, Larry's just there. He's, he's kind of the bond between the two. And you're like, no, he's an integral part. And just as Shemp was when he was a part of yeah. the trio as well. And, and you were mentioning the musical talent. Uh, Shemp taught himself um, how to play piano. So one of these great parties um, when Vernon, um, Vernon Dent would show up, um, and by the way, excellent singer, great singer. He's in a, a short film with Bing Crosby, and he sings in it. If you ever get a chance, of course, I don't know the name. Um, so, you know, Shemp would sit down at the piano, rattle off a little tune, and Vernon Dent would, you know, start singing. What a great, what a great night. You know, they get little drinks and cigars going, and, and there's Vernon Dent singing and Shemp playing. And by the way, there is another thing, too. Women don't hate the Stooges. In fact, especially today's women. And my argument is, go to one shimp short, uh, Bridal's Groom, where yes. basically, essentially, Christine McIntyre, by the way, who appeared in an awful lot of shimp solo films, too. Um, they basically, well, she slaps him silly. At one point, she basically said, um, he said her, no, 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 you're, you're being too much of a gentle woman. You know, don't do this. Just lay me out. And she socked him one, and he went right through the door. And that was legit. I mean, I know the door was obviously hinged in such a way that it couldn't go like that. However, he went through went through the door, lying down on the ground, a little groggy. And he said, got his, apparently put his chin in his hand and said, now that's what I meant, babe. So, and the rest <laughs> of that film, the rest of the film, who's getting hurt? It's the Stooges. Shem's head is in, in a vice grip at one point. You He's know, in a birdcage. There's, yeah, there's, there's women are out there attacking the Stooges. The bottom line is with the Stooge movies, I think all of them, it's never the Stooges will win. Well, they're Stooges for a start. No matter how well-meaning they are and how what an ill-conceived notion they have of women, the women always come up on top. They win. It's the women. And I know plenty of women who find the Three Stooges quite hilarious. Maybe slightly guilty a few years ago, but now they're saying, no, I love the Stooges. They're great. Love Hold hands, you lovebirds. Oh, just great. <laughs> and by the way, I interviewed, as you mentioned, Billy West. He's in my book, um, you know, for his champisms, and they're great. I got a lot of stars in the book because one thing I wanted to prove, this is almost the goal of my book, is I say that he was not just popular in the day. Bud Abbott said he was one of the greats around. It's just too bad for those crappy Columbia shorts he made that really ruined him. He could have been one of the greatest. It's not just them that thought he was uh, great. It's today. But I thought, how am I going to prove this? So my research, finding people, it took me forever. I mean, it just, I, mean, I could not find people. But finally, I got some greats. I got Gilbert Gottfried uh, before he died, obviously. Very sad. Wonderful interview. Billy West, great. Um, all kinds of people. I did not get SpongeBob. Uh, uh, Tom Kenny. I didn't get him. Couldn't get him, unfortunately. I know he's a busy fellow. So, however, I do have a quote from Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Deason, who said, well, basically, uh, I was told that uh, in a film that I appeared in with uh, SpongeBob, he said, oh, yeah, Shemp was my favorite. That's why I wanted desperately to get him. But he's, he's a busy fellow, and I understand. I just hope he likes the book. He is mentioned. <laughs> 
Well, that and that book, by the way, is uh, is right here. If you're watching on the uh, YouTube there, it's much more than a stooge. Shemp Howard by Jeff Dale, who is my guest right now. And uh, please go purchase this. Uh, I mean, like you say, you put years of work into this and countless interviews and everything, trying to get people from the family. You mentioned about Billy West. He was the one that they uh, they consulted for that 2012 movie, The Fairley Brothers, Three Stooges. Yes. They actually consulted him and uh uh, was it uh, was it Will Sasso was the one who played uh, played Curly? Two, two, two of those are Canadians, by the way. And oh one, yes, one of course is from Will and Grace. He did a nice job as Larry. I was surprised. yeah, Sean Hayes. Yeah, he, he honestly, it their acting wasn't bad. It was it wasn't a terrible film. Uh, well, I probably would appreciate it more if I go back. There is one thing I guess this one thing saved it for me. I never thought I would ever see Larry David as a mother superior. And that was enough to make me say, okay, I got one genuine laugh out of that. I, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I thought it was okay. It did make money, which is, you know, thumbs up to the Fairleys. By the way, I could not get the Fairleys on it. But I'll say no more on that. So, because um, they are lifelong Stooge fans too. But anyway, if they hear this, they'll be cursing me, probably wanting to sue me now. Anyway. <laughs> Um, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going now. I, I started off somewhere and I'm just rambling totally. Well, no, I so, mean, it's, uh, but like with, with the book and everything you, you interviewed all these people here. Uh, and uh, I mean, that's, it's terrific that you were able to get this together and, and making people remember that uh, it wasn't just Larry Curley and Mo. There was this gentleman named Shemp Howard who was, uh, who was a part yes. of the act at the beginning, left to do his solo stuff, came back. But still, his whole body of work should be appreciated, not just in the Stooges. And that's what you uh, lay out in this book here. And it's, and, uh, it, and it, his, it's terrific. And as he was formerly known, of course, Samuel Horowitz. Or if you want to go back to the real Jewish name, it'd be Shmuel Horowitz. That's right. He's Jewish for um, – and I should know that because uh, my name, Dale, is part of the translation of another word, Blumenthal, which means either Flower Valley or, more colloquially, Flower Dale. So my grandfather, Isaac Emanuel Blumenthal, became William Dale back in England. And if you want something, no, this is a horrendously, not a cheap plug, but I like to tell people jokingly that I actually almost died for this film. February the 1st, uh, 2021, I was rushed back to hospital after an operation, not for COVID. And basically, I was dying on the, 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 uh, the gurney of sepsis. And I was Ooh. on the way out. And I didn't see Shemp's face. I saw the bright light, didn't hear any music. Uh, I, I, I was hoping to see Shemp appear, but they saved me. They literally saved my life, brought me back. And then I thought, I'm getting this damn book done. And I want to be, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be the first one. I'm never going to get rich. And I really don't want to get rich or famous because it's not worth it. But I really want people to know I am the first one that did it. And whoever the second one is, I give them thumbs up. I, I wish you the best, and I hope it's a great book. And so, have, so, so, so you you could have seen the light, but all of a sudden you hear beep 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 beep. No, I wish <laughs> I would have. Yeah, like no, no angels. There's you know there's ceramic ceramic uh, tunes. You know, I did see, but it's true. You know, you do see literally a bright light. And uh, I was like thinking, oh my god. You know, it was a freezing cold day, typical of uh, Canada. I was my feet were frozen. You know, because I had rushed into the hospital. And uh, I, I was not <laughs> being greeted with, oh, my God, his blood pressure is 40 over 50. That's not good. 
And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I felt really good when I was on my way out. And then when I got back in, I felt quite awful. And for two weeks, I waited. And then uh, I got out two weeks later. And the first thing I did, guess what? I picked up one of my stooge films and said, I got to put it on, you know, and back. Goodness. Uh, you, you are you're now the second guest I've had on this podcast right around that time who almost died of sepsis. The other one was Dave Thomas. Oh, Dave Thomas, another Canadian. Yep, yep. SCTV, you know, Bob and yep. Doug. And yeah, he was saying that he basically almost died in 2020. And it wasn't COVID related. It was the sepsis. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you lived long enough to appear on my podcast then. <laughs> Both yeah. of you. So uh you you Canadians, you got something that I don't know if it's that Molson or whatever you have. Well you see, I think it's partially it's it's uh it's a British thing and it's it's also Canadian. So uh and I don't like to separate English Canadians and French Canadians because that, that causes too much trouble. But uh you know, I do drink tree tea and you could say I had during that three or four year stretch, was that I had four operations, none of them COVID related. Uh I got all kinds of other uh, sort of yeah, diagnoses, but the census, census one was the one that killed me. And I should have been listening to your show ages ago. So all these people on there, I wanted to get for my book. Dave Thomas was one. And because uh, I, I think he's extremely talented fellow, really enjoy his stuff. They're the McKenzie brothers, isn't it? Is that what they, they yep. do? Oh, yeah. Him and that whole I, show. I, I don't know what it was in, but in Canada, oh. that uh, Kids in the Hall, yes. SCTV, you guys. Uh, Rush, of course. You guys really were uh, were put to put a nice spotlight on uh, on Canada back in the eighties, and uh, you know, a lot a lot of them ended up coming down to the states and, and parking themselves in the Canadianized Los Angeles areas because there's so many Canadians down down there, you know. And uh, I don't know. I you know, I had a British passport. I've got a Canadian passport. Maybe I should cross the border and get an American passport. I'm just going to wait and see who wins the next election. First. That's right. Well, was it, uh, it was Martin Short was uh, he was doing the Jiminy Glick character and he had uh, Eugene Levy on there. And he's like, what do you Canadians do when you go on vacation? Do you just go over to the border and look over and wave? <laughs> it was just really funny. He's, well, and now you're now you're really insulting us here in Canada. And then and then Dave Thomas comes out as Bob Hope. <laughs> It's like, oh, well, for my 100th birthday, they're going to have a 12 kiloton bomb. They're blown off in my honor. <laughs> uh, but I, I do I do say to people, and I, in all honesty and no joking around it, I, I just really wanted people to understand that I wasn't doing this just because I wanted to do it and be the first, although that's nice. I just wanted people finally, after all this time, why was a book not written? I mean, you know, he's. It's not as if he's some schmuck who who did nothing. It's just I don't think people understand enough about him. Need to know a little more and have a little fun. And I think uh, you're not going to laugh at this book. I, I don't. I don't think you will. You might. You might laugh at some of the photos, courtesy of Steve Cox. A lot of them, wonderful, wonderful photos. Uh, but I think you're going to feel good. And I think people need to feel just a little bit better these days. You know, I felt good in the '60s, but. Uh, and that's a whole other different ball game. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, go check that out, folks. Uh, uh, Jeff Dale's book uh, on Shemp. I mean, here it is on the again. If you're watching on the video, uh, over at BarnesandNoble.com, go purchase this. Uh, whether it's hardcover, paperback, just uh, put some money in his pocket, and uh, but also because it's he, he put a lot of work into this. And uh, and, and honestly, Jeff, I really appreciate you being on the show, talking about Shemp, talking Stooges. I could I, I could probably have you on four more hours. We could talk about Stooges, but. Our your time is precious, of course, and uh, you know then then we'll just get in the weeds and they're like, oh boy, they're bringing up some really <laughs> obscure stooge uh, yeah. uh, factoids and everything like that. But uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's great talking to you about this, and uh, good luck with the book going forward. And uh, I can't wait to put this out and talk to all the stooge fans that uh, who are also probably suffering from stooge mania as well. Absolutely, and if there's any filmmaker out there, I don't think I can. Tempt Martin Scorsese, who I'd love to, you know, who thinks that a good movie could be made on Shemp and the Stooges, and just who could the, play Shemp. Who, who in Hollywood do you think could play Shemp? Well, actually, the Shemp uh, on, on um, what's his name is movie uh, Mel Gibson's TV movie, which was uh, John Cassier. Is that how you pronounce it? Cassier, K A S S I R. I think uh, so. Played, yeah, he played Shemp actually in that movie, that uh, television movie, and uh, I got him. Uh, to, to say a few things. And uh, I think in terms of looks, he did quite a good, you know, quite a good job with the hat and the hair and all that. But nowadays, I'm not sure. But I think it'd be, a, it'd be an interesting movie. You know, maybe the Fairly Brothers would talk to me then. So. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. Yeah, the, I, I could see it. Yeah, I remember watching him back in that. Uh, I, I got to go back and watch that TV movie, the Michael Chiklis thing that uh, I remember watching it live when it or first run when it came out. And I haven't seen it since because I, I don't think it's on YouTube or anything, but I, I got to go check that out. It, it got wildly, wildly uh, different uh, critiques, uh, especially from Stu Jackson. So I'm not going to say anything more than that because there were some real, you know, dislikes of that film. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I thought there were moments, but uh, not enough. Really, I, mean, I love uh, Mike Michael what, what a great actor! I, mean, I, I just really some of his stuff is amazing. Uh, however, playing Curly, well, that's that's hard. it's a tall task. It's a tall task, to, and it's a big task if you want to be Curly. But uh, yeah. uh, but Jeff, thank you so, so much for doing this podcast uh, uh, again, and good luck with the book. And uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. I want to hear how the book's Absolutely. going, the book tour, and uh, let's get this out there for a lot of people who are big Stooge fans. Um, just appreciate Shump a little bit more. Just watch his stuff just a little, little bit under more of a microscope and really appreciate what he brought to this. That sure, he's not curly, but some could even say that he's even better than curly, depending on what your tastes are. But I appreciate you folks for listening to today's Check Your Brain podcast. Uh, this is uh, the free episode. If you want another free episode, it's coming out next Wednesday. Uh, my name is Tony Mazur. Thank you for watching and listening and or listening to the podcast. And I'll be back again with you next week with another free episode. Go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur if you want more from me. Why would you? But okay, sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. And I'll be back with you soon. Bye.